what advice would you give an aspiring investor six to 12 months behind you? The, one of the most important things I think for people to have in mind when they're getting started is to have the to have the right mindset about how you approach this because mm-hmm. a lot of you know moguls and gurus out there are saying that this is a get rich quick scheme and you can make so much money and you're gonna be financially free in three months and you're gonna just from doing one deal. And it's just not the case. It's it's almost it's somewhat sad, I guess. I see people, you know, on Facebook, they got all this energy for like a three month period and then they're gone. Never see them yeah. again. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast with your host, Brian Briscoe. In this podcast, we bring some of the top professionals in the apartment investing field to discuss various aspects of the apartment investing journey with the sole purpose of educating listeners to make wise investment decisions. The Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast is sponsored by Four Oaks Capital, bringing you high yield returns through apartment complex investing. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe with Four Oaks Capital. I'm uh, really excited for today's uh, show. It's another one of our first deal series episodes. And we have John White with us, who was recently on a team that closed a 560-unit apartment complex in Houston, Texas. You know, how's that for a first deal? So, John, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thanks. Yeah. So, they said, go big or go home. And you decided, you know what? Hey, for my first apartment complex, I'm going 560, right? <laughs> it kind of fell in our laps. But, yeah, I mean, it was... Uh... It was a great opportunity to get involved with something like that so early yeah. on. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, well, congratulations. I know it was uh, it was about six months ago, and instantly for their listeners, they they closed you know March twenty one. Um, so you know it's been a little bit, and we'll be able to to dissect a lot of that. But uh, um, before we get into the deal, do us a favor, John, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So let's see. I have an engineering background, um, bachelor's degree in engineering. Worked as an engineer, really as a kind of a construction manager for like offshore projects and oil and gas for three years. And then uh, recently, actually, or it's not so recent anymore, about to finish law school, <laughs> um, but started doing this multifamily uh, investing and really, you know, I started as a broker or I should say an agent in Texas. Mm-hmm. You can't call yourself a broker until you've been doing it for four years. But, you know, I, we saw, you know, what was going on in the buyer side and wanted to get in on that. And mm-hmm. that's where we are. So, you know, I, I see a lot of people who, who do the same thing that they start in in as either either as a broker or a lender or something else, and they um, it's the proverbial you know the grass always looks greener on the other side of the fence. So I want to I want to dissect that a little bit. You know, you came in from the agent brokerage side of the house. What really attracted you about multifamily investing? Doing it, doing it from the side you're on now. I think. Um, you know, obviously, it, it has a uh, reputation as something where you can build, basically build wealth and build a future for your family with very little to start with, right? You don't have to, you don't have to go out there and buy like a big industrial facility or something to, to manufacture products. It's literally just putting deals together and operating and putting in the work that other people aren't wanting yeah. to put in with, with their money. Um, and it's it's like it's pretty much the quintessential sweat equity, I guess. Yeah. And that's, you know, I like to work hard and that's why it appealed to me, I guess. Yeah. And it's and, and sweat equity on a, on a whole different level. I mean, you, you a lot of people, when, when they think real estate, they're talking, you know, single families, you know, maybe small multifamilies and, you know, flips and, and whatnot. But uh, 
you know, you, you can add a couple of zeros on the end. I think you're absolutely right. It is the quintessential, you know, sweat equity, um, you know, get in. And if you, if you do things right, it's a very, very lucrative business, but it's also hard to get in. So and be, before we talk about how you got in, I do want to ask about, you know, what I, what I call your big burning why, you know, your, your motivation and, and not, not so much why apartments, you know, we, we discussed that a little bit, but what, what's your motivation? What drives you to be successful? I don't know. I mean, I've, I've always had an internal kind of just a motivation and a, I'm always thinking of things to do. Right. So I couldn't just sit here and, and do one thing like go, going to law school is not enough. And I have all this free time and I'm like, I'm going to do all this other stuff. So, <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know that I've necessarily thought about, you know, what's my biggest motivation in the sense of why am I doing this? And it's because I just have never asked myself that like, I want to, I want to keep busy. I want to do something, you know? I mean, it sounds like you, you like challenges, you know, first of exactly, all, I mean, yeah. um, you know, you, you, you have a, a degree in petroleum engineering. Um, you worked in that for a while, you know, law school at Harvard is, is kind of a big deal. You know, it's like, Hey, you know, not a lot of people can say they, they do that. So I, I don't know. I'm guessing there's, you know, part of that inner drive is, you know, prove to yourself that you can do big things, which is, I think so. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, that sounds that's a good way of putting it. Better than I yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so I just yep, yeah, there's your big burning why right there, right there. But uh I figured it out. <laughs> um yeah, boom. So yeah, um I'll send you my consultant fee here a little bit. That's later. what I was gonna yeah. say. You need to you need to start doing counseling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, since you're going to law school, you are you understand the hourly billing thing. You know, my my hourly rate is uh you know about three hundred an hour for podcast. I'm teasing, of course, but uh, um <laughs> Anyway, that said, um, let, let's talk about, you know, the, this 560 unit deal. And, you know, for, first thing I'd like to talk about is, is, is the team. You know, it's, it's obviously a team sport. And um, I think anybody listening to this podcast knows that, uh, you know, someone all by themselves is not going to be able to tackle a 560 unit complex. So let, let's talk about uh, how the team came together, how you became part of the team. Sure. So I don't know that I'm super privy to all the inner workings of that, but um, there are three main sponsors on the deal. Most of your listeners probably know at least one of them. And I believe that everybody got together through the commercial empire group that Tim Bratz is in charge of, um, originally a couple of years ago, I had actually been, when I was a real estate agent and sourcing off market multifamily deals, I had gotten in contact with Shane Carter, who's mm-hmm. one of the sponsors, probably two years before this deal closed. Um, and we were working on a ton of different deals. I mean, the market wasn't as crazy back then. Some of the prices that we, that we were seeing were kicking ourselves for not getting them now, I'm sure, but didn't really close anything for whatever reason. It was just, you know, there'd be different kinds of problems. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Shane found this opportunity of a you know listed broker deal that he was interested in. And I was in Houston and it was, you know, you go through that whole process with a broker deal mm-hmm. and they needed someone to handle that to start. And that's kind of how we got involved. All right. Now, um, I mean, a lot, a lot of people want to be in your shoes, you know, so um, what more than just, just being in the right location? I mean, can, can you, can you dive a little deeper into how, how that relationship kind of blossomed to the point to where they were comfortable asking you to, to be sure. that guy? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the most important thing that, you know, a lot of people, We'll go on and post like I'm, I want to be boots on the ground for this location. Mm-hmm. The, the most important thing that I was having the relationships with the sponsors that 
they know that you're going to be competent and they can trust you to actually do what you're supposed to do and to do it well. And really the only way to do that in my view is to work with somebody and they see that you're always going above and beyond. And I mean, I'd like to think at least that that's probably why we were given this opportunity is that I had built, you know, a a reputation with these people being a person that's thorough and honest and, yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, that's really the name of the game is, is just building that relationship, you know? And I think that's, that's huge in this thing. And I, we, we talked briefly about this before we started recording, but a lot of people, like you said, offer to be boots on the ground, but you know, when somebody needs an actual boots on the ground, you know, they go to the person who they have the best relationship with, you know? So it's, it's a relationship business. You get in, you establish a relationship, you prove yourself, you know, through whatever means you have to do to prove yourself that you're, that you're honest and you're hardworking. And, you know, when the time comes, you know, you, you offer your services or, or they, they reach out and ask for your services. So, so let, let's, let's talk a little bit more deal specific, you know, and, and what exactly that uh, the local presence boots on the ground entailed. So uh, you start from, from beginning when, when you first asked, they first talked to you about it and you know what you did to to add value to the team. Sure. So I think it was, if I remember right, it was October, November of 2020 that this all first kind of started to happen, maybe even September. And I, I went down to Houston. So I was in Dallas at the time, but I was running businesses in Houston, my, my retail businesses. Mm-hmm. And so I would kind of alternate, basically alternate weeks and went down there and, um, met with the broker, did the whole, you know, first look broker tour thing where they have 10 different groups coming in and out. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the, one of the things that I discussed with Shane was basically he, he was trying to tell me, we got to make a good impression. Like we really want this deal and they're, they need to see us as like competent people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess that I would add that to the list of things that you want to demonstrate if you're trying to get involved on a deal team's professionalism. Um, because you want people to think of you as someone that's going to represent them well, I guess. Yeah. Especially the in a broker deal. Yeah, uh, the brokers are going to judge the offer based on you know the person who's in front of them a lot too. I mean, right. Um, right. And, and you be, you being in the brokerage deal, I mean, I, I haven't seen it directly, but I imagine there's a lot of behind the scenes, you know, brokers talking to owners saying, "Hey, these guys are a bunch of clowns. You know, you don't want to go with these guys. These guys are really super professional." So. Um, you know, I, I think you seeing that from both ends, I, I'm, I'm assuming, and tell me if I'm right or wrong, I'm assuming that helped you a lot with the um, with, with what you were doing, the to be able to present yourself to the brokers and whatnot. Correct. Yeah. I mean, and it's not it's not difficult to be professional. <laughs> no. But you just you just have to put some thought into it and, and mm-hmm. you know and just be careful what you do and say. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so to go on with the deal story i think we'll i think i kind of cut it off there but um yeah so we did the first look broker tour i think there was a second one because i remember going down there for another one Mm -hmm. and i I can't remember what all was going on with that but so there were two broker meetings and then we had a like a pre-due diligence before we went under contract where we looked at six i think 60 units so that's going to be 10 percent of the units Mm -hmm. just to kind of get a sampling of what was going on and then finally, you know, we get it under contract and do the whole 500. At the time, it was 550 something. So I, I can get into that in a minute, why the unit count is hazy. But yeah, um, yeah so we go through all those. I think it took two or three days. Um, we had Trinity um, walk the property with us and um, 
you know, they have their, their whole system to bring in every information about the property that we needed. And now, now, uh, Trinity, as I understand that they're, they're like a company that helps with due diligence. Is that, is that right? So, so they're a property management company. Property management. Um, okay. Okay. I've heard they, of Trinity before. I just couldn't place it for a second. So. Yeah. So basically, basically the deal, they charge a certain amount for due diligence and mm-hmm. I believe it's refundable or something. If you, I can't remember. If you go but, with them. Yeah. Okay. Right. But they're, they're, they're very, uh, within the commercial empire group, they're mm-hmm. kind of like, a pref- I wouldn't say they're preferred, but they're well connected and a lot of people will use them. They're one of, one of the top dogs. So, all right. Okay. So, so got in there, you, you know, looked at uh, 16, anything, any big lessons or learning points from, um, from that process that you can share? Yeah. I mean, so as far as, as far as the, uh, Due diligence. Um, first of all, one one lesson that I learned, and I wouldn't necessarily say this is something that that people need to like take to heart or anything, but mm-hmm. seeing the sixty units, you can pretty much like create your budget for the whole five hundred and sixty. But yeah. then, you know, just from like a diligence standpoint, you have to look at every unit because you don't want something bad to happen later, and you're like, oh, I didn't yeah, even you- look at that; I didn't see it. Yeah, you, you don't want to you don't want to find out, and I think you're absolutely right. And you know, having done due diligence on several several properties, I mean, once you've seen you know eight to ten percent of the units, I mean, you've seen kind of the the spread. You've seen you know the best, you've seen the worst, or um, you know the average. But uh, you just don't um, want to let the seller pick the units that you get that you're going to yeah. get to see if you're only doing ten percent because <laughs> we had that happen. One oh time. yeah, <laughs> I mean, not good. We, we had, we had, and I don't think this was uh, intentional by the seller, but uh, we, we were told by the broker on one, one property that there were four down units. And when we did due diligence, there were eight down units, you know, torn down to the studs. And you wow. know, that, that's, that's not a surprise that you want to find out after you own the property, you know? So, exactly. um, yeah. so yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You know, you, you get a really good idea of what the overall condition is by, by touring, you know, 10, 15, 20% of the units, but, you still got to do your your entire due diligence, get into everything. So, um, right. So yeah. Any other any other big uh, learning points or aha moments from that? Yeah. So I'm going to get into the uh, the unit thing. So basically, okay. with this deal, I, I think I can't remember the exact numbers anymore because it keeps changing. But I believe it was 552 or 556 when we started. Mm-hmm. And on the first broker tour, we had never even like thought about this he mentioned there's a ton of three bedroom units that have like this certain layout mm-hmm. that are, is very conducive to just basically putting a wall down the middle and having two one bedrooms and nice. the rents for, I'm trying to remember the numbers, but off the top of my head, I'm thinking the one bedrooms are 1200 each or something like that. And the two bedroom is 1600 or I think it's 800, 800 and 1200 at the time. Mm-hmm. So basically you're getting 1600 a month in rent. So 1200 a month. And all you did was put a, basically put yeah. a wall down the middle, a new, new electrical in one unit. Yeah. And uh, we're, so we're in the process of that right now. Um, eventually there's going to be, I think over 600 units there. So it's gonna be like 620 mm-hmm. because there's 60 splits going on. But oh, anyway, really? so wow. yeah. So yeah. it's, I mean, it's a big property. So I mean, it's, you're adding 10% of the units. It's, it's still significant. Um, but yeah. So the warning there is to be willing to think outside the box because most people would like, hate to give up three bedroom units, you know? Yeah. And I, I would like to think that you know, we, you know, time will tell, yeah. but it, it certainly made the numbers look a lot better. Let's put it that way. You know, and, and I'm, I'm sure demographics has something to do with this as well. You have to look at the local demographics, you know, if, you know, right. in where, where I'm at, 
you know, th- three bedroom units are actually in high demand because I'm in an area where, you know, lo- there's a lot of young families, you know, a lot of families with young kids. And um, I-, I guess we're, you know, Utah and Idaho are very prolific at, uh, at, re- at you know, having kids and reproducing. So, but in, in other areas, you know, the three bedrooms might be the ones that are the hardest to rent. So, you know, it really depends, I think, a lot on demographics. But I mean, if, if you can put a couple thousand dollars in, you know, put a new meter up, you know, put a new wall in and maybe you know, reroute some some plumbing. I mean, yeah. that's that's almost a no brainer right there. You're you're for, for very little money, you know, adding a adding a lot of units. And I'll be on, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of times, you know, people throw cap rates out the window right now. And they're more talk. They're talking more about price per unit when they're selling things. So if you're adding exactly. sixty units, um, yeah. you know it's not the cap rate that matters a lot now. It's like, hey, it's, it's sixty more units. So if you're trading at hundred k a unit, um, that's you know a lot of money. You know, six million exactly. right there. Yeah. If my math's right, but uh, yeah, sounds right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're 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 off by a zero somewhere if we are. So um, <laughs> good, good. A lot, lot of lessons learned there. I appreciate uh, appreciate you going into detail on some of those. Um, now I, I know you know your your role was was limited in in the rest of the closing, but uh, any any big hitches that you recall you know in the closing process um, that you guys had to had to overcome. I don't I don't remember anything um, really that seemed like it was going to derail the deal. Put it that mm-hmm. way. Um, I mean I've seen a lot of other deals that have not happened over the last year because of all kinds yeah. of different things, which <laughs> um, you know it's always something, right? But uh, that deal is relatively smooth. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I mean, you're, you're operating with guys who've done this before many Correct. times, you know, yeah. so, um, you know, they, they probably had a lot of the systems in place and were probably able to, um, to look at these things and say, Hey, we've done this before. We can anticipate some problems and go from there, which, um, right. quite frankly is one of the hugest benefits with teaming up with a very experienced team, you know, and, Right, um, right. Tim Bratz was one of the first names I, I heard of in the multifamily space, you know, three or four years ago, and he's been operating at a high level since. So, you know, right. I think, I think you picked a winner uh, of a partnership. So, um, so closed on the deal, I think you said in, in March, can, can you talk about that transition phase? Um, you know, what your role was in that and how, you know, how you guys basically transitioned from one owner to another? Yeah. I mean, it's, I would say it's mostly at the property management level where you have a lot of transition going on. Um, and the previous owner self-managed with his own property management company. So there was definitely a handover. Uh, and, you know, was, I think there was about a, like a couple weeks period where the, the leases weren't going in the computer and like all the, a lot of technical, technical uh, difficulties or complications that the property management company worked through. Um, I th- from an ownership standpoint, I mean, I think we were pretty much ready to hit the ground running. Um, and we started on the unit conversions and the, you know, slight exterior renovations that were needed. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much, you know, where it sits today. We have another several months of unit conversions at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, um, obviously it takes a little while because, you know, you got to wait for people to vacate some units sometimes, but, uh, um, yeah, sounds like, sounds like a pretty, pretty good little, little deal you guys got going on. And um, what, what's your role right now um, going forward from here on out? Yeah, so um, basically once a week, um, either myself or an employee or someone with, with our company will go by and uh, do a weekly report of mm-hmm. any kind of issues. So 
you know, take a random sample of the, the rent ready units for that week to kind of check up on the property management company. Um, we'll, you know, drive around the outside. It's, it's, I think 20 something acres, huge, huge property. Yeah. So, um, it's, you, there's a lot to drive and you might miss something one week, but you might, uh, catch it the next week. I just, just recently one, you know, one thing that we came across was the playground. There's like one of those things where people can run across. It's like a rope with like wood across it. And somehow it had gotten all twisted up. Like, and so it was very, looked very dangerous. And yeah. we caught that on one of the weekly inspections and got that um, blocked off. And then, um, yeah, we have our weekly um, weekly calls and just kind of discuss different strategies for the property and uh, different ways to kind of transition it from right now. One of the things we're, we're dealing with is people have always known that property doesn't have one bedrooms mm-hmm. and now we're adding all these one bedrooms. And so it's creating a, uh, creating a, uh, that perception, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess there, there's a little bit of rebranding. If, if you didn't have any one bedrooms before, and it's established asset. You know, you, you got to kind of put out to the world, or at least you know the local area. Hey, we've got one bedrooms now to to be able to get people there. Right. Right. So, and they had a few. It just wasn't. It was heavy three bedroom. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right. So, what's next for you? Yeah, I mean, doing some more deals. I think uh, so. We we've recently grown our team and partnered with a college friend of mine who had another company he sold and uh, has some, has some money that we can use to sponsor deals basically. Mm-hmm. So we have, you know, now the ability to sponsor up to probably 2 million in house mm-hmm. um, plus um, the experience from this other deal now. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're trying to find some smaller deals that we can do like that. We're looking at um, larger deals that we can partner with different people that we've, that we've built relationships with over the last year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, on and then, I mean, we're even. I mean, we're looking at multifamily. We're looking at storage and hotel conversions. Yeah. So um, nice. Well, I mean, I'll tell you. You know, I'm a little jealous because you you got in with a really solid team up front, and you know, um, e- even with the the relatively small role you played, you're gonna. I mean, the, the learning experience is probably going to be more valuable than any monetary compensation you get because you're, you're able to see the systems this team is using. You're able yep. to, you know, leverage the relationship with other people. So, um, exactly. yep. anyway, very, very much appreciate your time. Um, Oh, I almost forgot the most important question of the entire podcast. I, I was right? waiting for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Ready? What advice would you give an aspiring investor six to 12 months behind you? The, one of the most important things I think for people to have in mind when they're getting started is to have the to have the right mindset about how you approach this because mm-hmm. a lot of you know moguls and gurus out there are saying that this is a get rich quick scheme and you can make so much money and you're gonna be financially free in three months and you're gonna just from doing one deal. And it's just not the case. It's it's almost it's somewhat sad, I guess. I see people, you know, on Facebook, they got all this energy for like a three month period and then they're gone. Never see them yeah. again. And I've seen, you know, I've been doing this for like three years and seen, you know, 10 different groups of those and it, it rarely works that way. And you have to have, you have to be ready for the roller coaster and, you know, setbacks and build the relationships in that, in that situation to where you can work towards your goal and approach it kind of as a long-term investment in yourself. And the yeah. flip side of that or the corollary to that is not to force a deal to do a deal. 
whether it's for the acquisition fee or whatever, it's, it's never going to be a good idea. You're going to be paying for that down the road big time. You have to look at every deal objectively. It's a tough market right now. And you know we've walked away from a ton of deals this year just because everything's tight. The price is already high. No one wants to retrade because it's a seller's market. Uh, you know, something bad happens. They're just going to say, oh, someone, some hedge fund is going to buy this. Sorry. Yeah. And you have to be willing to lose it. Yeah. And that, that's, that's the truth in the seller's market. If, if you're not going to buy at a certain price, somebody else will. You know, so if, yeah. you, get, if you get under contract, you've got to go in knowing that, that if you find something wrong. You know, it's, it's either go through with the purchase and figure out how to fix it or be willing to walk away. And I definitely appreciate what you said about the not being a get rich quick scheme. You know, I, I've heard it said, and I really like the way it's put. It's, it's a get rich sl- slow, not necessarily scheme, but get rich slow plan more than a scheme. But uh, um, anyway, we're, we're about out of time right now. So one last question for you, and that is how can listeners learn more about you? Sure. Yeah. Um, we have a website. It's matadorinvestmentgroup.com. Um, so there we you know, we have a contact form if anyone wants to get in contact. And my personal email, will, you know, I'm sure it'll be in the podcast, but it's jwhite at matadorinvestmentgroup.com. So. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll have that information in the show notes for anybody listening. You can just go to the show notes and uh, definitely reach out to him. And incidentally, highly encouraged to reach out to guests here on podcasts. And uh, for most guests that come on, that's part of the reason they come on podcasts. Meet absolutely. People. So um, with that said, once again, thank you very much for your time. I, I very much appreciate hearing your story today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today, brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at fouroakscapital.com slash podcast or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show, so pull out your phone, tap subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you again next week.